they think they're in consulting. They think that's the business. I provide X services as a consultant. And the business they're in really isn't about consulting. The business they're in is really about client acquisition. From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Kahn with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a long career as an employed professional. Today on episode 123 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with the CEO of Business Success Factors, Doug Brown. Doug was very successful in sales. He went solo because he wanted out of corporate life. Although Doug lost money at first, he figured out how to make it work within one and a half years. If you've ever struggled with making enough money as a consultant, you want to listen to my conversation with Doug. Stay with us to hear all the details. Client acquisition is challenging for many consultants. Learning what can work for your business development process is one of the areas we focus on in the Smashing the Plateau community, where you'll find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, answers to your burning questions, and the camaraderie of supportive, collaborative colleagues. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com slash community. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash community. Now let's welcome Doug Brown. Doug is the CEO of Business Success Factors, international best-selling author of the book, Win-Win Selling, Unlocking Your Power for Profitability by Resolving Objections, and a nationally recognized sales revenue growth expert and consultant. Doug, welcome to the show. David, thanks for having me here. Tell me a little bit about your career. Uh, well, my career actually started by accident. <laughs> Which is often the case. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, uh, I was originally in the medical field, and that's what I went to school for. Uh, I got out of the military and I was trying to figure out what what should I do? And I went into the medical field, but the medical field didn't really work out well for me. I got a couple of degrees and got my licensure in nuclear medicine. I used to practice in, in that department. And during that time, the healthcare industry was sort of taking a kind of a turn. So when I sent out a bunch of resumes of over 300 of them, I only got three responses back. And I said, oh, oh I'm in trouble. <laughs> I ended up getting one of those three, actually the job, but then that job fell through about two weeks prior to, they shut the department down for budget cuts. And so I was like left out there going, okay, what am I going to do? Uh, long story short, I, the only thing I knew was go, go back into sales because that's what I was doing while I was going through school. And so I went back into sales. That led me to a company, which was a coaching company called uh, Coach University, and they said to me, hey, Doug, you know what? We really appreciate what you're doing here for us, but I think you'd be a really good coach. And I said, well, I used to play some semi-professional soccer. And uh, they said, no, 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 this type of coach. And I said, well, that's interesting. I didn't know anything about it, quite frankly, at the time. So I went into that, helped that company. That led me on to actually starting coaching people in my, in my business and coaching people outside. And that kind of led me into the path of actually taking on different companies in the training space. And the next one, I, I helped a guy named Jay Conrad Levinson. He wrote a book series called Guerrilla Marketing. And he introduced me to a guy named Chet Holmes. And I became uh, part of Chet's organization as an independent coaching. And uh, 
quickly rose to the top of the ranks and then became the president of training and sales for that company. And then that kind of led me on to president of training sales for Tony Robbins companies, for Russ Whitney's companies and a bunch of others. And during that time, I was working with lots and lots of business to business people. And that's kind of how it all started. Uh, after I got out of that, I decided, hey, you know what? I have enough skill sets to actually start on my own. So I did. So what did you learn about the nonlinearity of careers? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. You know, everybody says, you know, when one door closes, another one opens, right? And I used to always hear that. And I was like, eh, nice, nice saying, right? But the truth is that that's very true as long as you walk through that door. So what I learned about the nonlinearity was that when you look back, uh, Steve Jobs did this great speech on connecting the dots. So when I look yeah. back in my life, I can see where this brought me to today, right? Because I was constantly an entrepreneur uh, all throughout my life. I worked for my father's business uh, growing up. I used to get out of school at 11 a.m. in the morning and go to work and then come home and do my homework. So I can see a lot of the things that I learned early on in my life and through my life, even through the military and other places, sort of connected the dots. But I think a lot of people go through nonlinearity before they find what they feel like, okay, I'm home. Right. So, so the, like the major theme of this show is the nonlinearity that happens when you go from corporate employee or, or some kind of, you know, high achieving professional in, in a firm, in an organization, whether right. it's a, you know, big corporate or, or, or smaller organizations, but you go from doing that for a long time into a consulting or coaching business as a solo, which, you know, even if you're using the same skills to produce results for clients, it's a huge transition. It's a huge jump, a lot bigger than many people realize till they're in it. And, you know, you've been in entrepreneurial roles your whole career, yet you have dealt with a lot of consultants. So you've seen what they go through. I've dealt with literally tens of thousands of consultants, coaches, advisors, trainers. One little piece I left out, David, is when I was trying to figure out what to do around this consulting coaching world, I actually took a job because once I couldn't work at the hospital, I still had $20,000 worth of loans that I had to pay back. So I decided to start a little telecommunications thing on my own. And that led me actually to a job. And that job was working in the telecommunications industry. And that the merging of those two stories is where I ended up where I am today. So if I hadn't have been working in the corporate field for all of these years, I wouldn't have understood the corporate environment like I did when I was going to be a coach or consultant, right? So there's one thing to be a consultant in a particular field, hey, I'm going to be a consultant. But when you have that industry experience or understand at least how, how a CEO thinks, how a, a vice president of training or sales thinks, how a human resources person thinks, what's important to them. You can put all those connecting the dots together and that will help make the transition even easier. That makes a lot of sense. And that's certainly true. So in your experience working with these thousands or tens of thousands of consultants, for the folks that have gone from these long corporate careers into their own consulting or coaching business, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges? I think the biggest challenge for most of them is they don't really realize the business they're in. They think they're in consulting. They think that's the business. I provide X services as a consultant. And the business they're in really isn't about consulting. The business they're in is really about client acquisition. 
And this is how I rose the Chet Holmes organization to the top of the, the pile within six months. And the reason behind that is because I was just applying sales skills. I wasn't really a great coach at that point or a great consultant at that point, but I was very good at understanding what people wanted and how they wanted to buy. And I think a lot of consultants, well, I don't think, I know a lot of consultants, they forget that they can't, they can't deliver their consulting services unless they actually acquire a client first. So they make the mistake by focusing on the deliverable versus focusing on the acquisition of clients. And that is what the business is all about. Yeah. Now, when you say focus on the acquisition of clients versus focusing on the delivery, what percent of their time should be devoted to each activity? So when they first are coming out of the corporate world, you know, 95% of their time should be just focused on client acquisition. As they start to get more clients, they never want to drop below 50-50. That's part of the challenge, right? So I talked uh, to many consultants, like they have this feast or famine thing going on where it's like, okay, I made money for four months, six months, whatever it might be, but client engagements are stopping and, oh, geez, I got this lull now in my sales cycle. I got this lull in my revenue cycle. So now what do I got to do? Well, I got to go find new clients, right? So many times they start getting even in a panic about it because they don't have prospects already in that particular funnel, if you will, or that particular place that they should. So they always need to spend a good amount of time in what, you know, rainmaking or building client relationships. Because when you do that, it gives a few different things. But number one, it gives the power of choice to the consultant. A lot of consultants don't say no to particular clients because they need the revenue. So their reach, and then they get a, then they get a client and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be really working this way with this client. I've got scope creep and scope seep and all these things happening, but I got to stay because I need the money. Versus if you had Let's say you were going to take 10 clients a year as a consultant and you were going to charge $100,000 a client on average. There's a million dollar business. But if you have 50 people in the waiting line, <laughs> you can be far more choosy about who you actually work with or who you don't. You can even be far more choosy about when you get to that place where you've got seven or eight clients and you know you only need a few more of raising your rates very easily because it's like, okay, well, I lost that one. No big deal. I've got 15 others that I'm wanting, you know, to, to do business with. And too many consultants don't put themselves in that position. So therefore they are, you know, doing things that they really didn't want to do in the business themselves. A lot of times consultants have worse bosses now than they had when they were working in a corporation because we're relying on ourselves. Right. So what you're saying is whatever business model they choose to develop, that business model should restrict the amount of delivery time to 50% of their working hours. Yeah. For, for the methodical folks out there, I would say that's a good number, right? Because they constantly have to be getting new clients. It's a constant business of saying hello and saying goodbye, whether people like that about the business or not, but that's what it is. I mean, very few people retain a consulting client for 15 years. I mean, it, it can happen, but for most people, you know, you can internally extend the engagement, but usually once the engagement's over and the need is, is complete, most people are ready to move on with something. So we have to constantly have prospecting into the, into the play. And that doesn't mean that it has to be all new people either, David. It could be people that you're working with somebody today 
and the company is large enough so they have a different division or they have a different department or something, and you can provide it to the different division or the different department, a uh, consulting uh, process, and get you know introduced to referrals, internal referrals, things like that. So it, that is part of the prospecting process as well. It's not all just, hey, I got to go out and get new clients. Okay. So Doug, can you walk me through kind of how a consultant should think about focusing primarily on client acquisition at first and then start to make the shift, but also put those boundaries around the time so that you don't spend too much time on delivery once once the your close rate kicks in and really goes up. So let's say, you know, you're 50 years old, you've left corporate, either you've left voluntarily or you've been pushed out. And mm-hmm. you've decided, okay, I'm really good at what I do. I'm an, you know, XYZ professional, and I've been doing a great job for 25 plus years. And now hanging out my shingle, I may not be sure exactly what my my niche is going to be. I may not be sure who my ideal client is going to be. I may not be sure what kind of business model I want. What's the first thing they should do? Pray. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's so, room for that too. <laughs> well, look, here's the thing. When you're first coming out of a job, you know, and that's what I did. I came out of a job and and I came into the coaching thing and I came as an independent. I, you know, I always knew my niche was going to be sales in some capacity because that's what I've always been doing. So I was I was somewhat fortunate. But if you're coming out today out of a job into the consulting field, the quickest and fastest path to cash is going to be your existing relationships or your past relationships. So those are the first places to go mine. And because there's already trust and a relationship built in, you don't, we don't have to necessarily establish that. So I know many, many, many seven-figure producers in consulting who got fired from a job <laughs> first, right? So because you have all of these decades sometimes or certainly years of past relationships, those are the first ones to go to. Now, to understand, you're going to go through those and eventually you could start extending referrals through those as well to kind of extend the new client count. But the reality is you're going to run out of that at some point unless you have, a you know, as they said in the old days, the Rolodex of, you know, 2,000 people or something to call upon. So if somebody's just starting out, they want to go to those right in the beginning. Now, if you don't know what your ideal client is, the greatest place to find your ideal client is ask people that you know and ask people that you don't know. You could just call them up and say, hey, I was just searching you out, found you'd be very successful. I'm thinking of doing X, Y, Z. And before I run into this thing enthusiastically, I was hoping maybe a guy or a gal like yourself can give me some advice. Well, can I ask you a few questions? Make sure that I don't, you know, run off a cliff. You'd be surprised if you just do that, how many people will actually give you help if you ask for help. That will help you start to scope down the ideal client. You might even find business through that path. I know I have in the past. And then once you kind of get- But but by the way, your primary focus in that conversation is not trying to sell. It's trying to learn. (laughs) Otherwise, that'll be construed as a bait and switch. And you're absolutely right. Right? So it's, it's to learn. But through that learning process- Sometimes people will go, geez, you know, I have that problem in my company. You have that expertise. Why don't we talk? Now, it's rare, but it happens, right? So 
But I, again, I, I agree with you, David. You don't want to go in with that intent that, you know, I'm going to come in here, act like I'm asking for information and help, and then try to flip it to a sale on the spot. It's not going to work well. And even when you, you know, are seasoned in the field and you have a brand and a reputation, it doesn't always work like you can just call in and just flip it to a sale, right? I just, I just helped out a company. They're doing a um, half million dollars a year. I helped them out with something and uh, it was not trying to get a, a sale out of it all. We've had three or four conversations and then we got to what I do. So it took that amount of time for me to actually get there so we could actually discuss what you know, the potential of working together. So once somebody's kind of understanding who their ideal client is, that's where you throw your marketing money into. That's where you throw all of your marketing money into once you understand who the ideal client is. And, you know, getting out in the public square. So there's fast methods and there's slower methods. You know, people shy away from things like cold calling. I like it personally because I, I don't find it to be a bother. Some people will. But what we want to look at is at short methods to get a conversation going. That's really the key. So if you think of short, 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 long, and you just kind of played in that play versus too many people are like, okay, I'm going to start a podcast like you're doing here, right? It takes six months or more before you're generally going to get any type of response out of a podcast. That's been my experience. Now you could say, hey, Doug, mine in the first two weeks, I got 12 clients and i congratulate you. But I know even with my podcast that I had, it took me over six months to get my first few clients. And so that's that's more of a long or a medium to long, right? I mean, what's short? Cold calling, uh, speaking in front of an audience, referrals, you know, making permission-based introductions, even through social media or through, you know, just calling somebody up and, and asking if you could explain what you do, right? That type of thing. Those things are going to get direct response very quickly. And those things are the things that people should focus on in the beginning. How do I get a response within the first 30 days? Or how do I get a response in the first 30 minutes? Even better. Then they layer in the longer ones. You know, I'm going to create a blog. I'm going to create a newsletter. I'm going to, you know, things like that. I'm going to create a website. I'm going to create a website. Yeah, I didn't have a website till what, almost two and a half, three years ago, right, myself. And because you don't necessarily need one. And if you do put up a web, website, put something up that's short. Get something up there that looks professional. Even if it's two or three pages, that's it. You don't need more. People are complicating the heck out of it. But they want to go short, 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 long on the ways to get a response. And that will help them with immediate cash flow and short-term cash flow. Then when the longs start kicking in, all of a sudden you start having incoming business as well. Yeah. Can we go a little deeper on the website and the and the collateral material? Because this mm. is a rabbit hole I see consultants and coaches go down way too often, especially at the beginning. It's like, oh, I need to get my, my material in order so that there's something for people to look at yep. when I have a prospect. Right. And can, because many people, I think, have that, coming from our education system, you know, the education system, right? Well, you got a PhD, you must know something. Well, um, maybe, right? <laughs> Means you studied, but can you actually take that and deliver it in a real world scenario? There's a lot of people who are, you know, I had a friend, uh, his name's Jake, and uh, he 
going through school, I also worked in the, the music business. And Jake was one of the top guitar sales people in the world. And one day I went up to him and I said, Jake, how are you doing this? He goes, well, what do you mean? I said, you can't play more than three or four chords on a guitar. Like, you know, you demonstrate smoke on the water every time. Like, it's, it's like he just could not play. And he looked at me and he said, Doug, you don't have to be, you don't have to understand how to play guitar to be able to sell guitars. And I went, hmm, that's pretty bright, right? So the website, a lot of people think that, oh, I've got to demonstrate all my expertise and I've got to be out, you know, all of that has to go into the website. Quite frankly, I'm going to tell you, most people don't even read most of your website, right? They scan down through it. So they're looking for highlighted points. And you're right, David, so many people put so much time, so much energy. I've had people tell me they spent $25,000 on their website as a consultant. I'm like, what? Right? I didn't even have a website until I think it was now maybe three years ago. But my revenues were $673,000 that year that I didn't have a website. And the year before, they were six something, you know. So my point being is, how can I produce over half a million dollars in consulting and, and coaching revenue without a website? It can't be the website, right? So the website's just a brochure and a credibility piece. And you do want to make it nice, but you certainly don't want to spend months and months of time trying to perfect your website. Uh, even today, my website is a work in progress. And I have people who are doing it for me. But the reality is that website, people do go to it. They look at it. They go, oh, that's nice. And then they want to have a conversation. So a key in consulting is getting it to that conversation. Right. Which is all about focusing on the income. Right. Not focusing on the delivery. Correct. Because, yeah. you know, and I, I will promise you that no matter what perfect website you uh, a person puts up, there's going to be someone else who judges it like, oh, I don't like the colors. I don't like this. I don't like that. So don't worry about those things. You know, make it presentable. I'll never forget when my website went up, I had a client in Europe. Uh, she called me and she goes, your website's terrible. <laughs> like, what? What do you mean my website's terrible? Oh, you know, the, the logo is not what we would do here in Europe and this and that and that. I'm like, you haven't fired me. They're like, oh, no, you're great. Right? But I just want to let you know if your website's not that good. And so, you know, I held that client for three years. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, you don't necessarily need all of these bells and whistles. And a lot of trainers out there and things like that, they keep telling you you need these things because they want to sell you their products, their services, and things like that. What you really need is to be able to understand how to get a client and throw up a two-page website in the beginning and just, you know, you got a website. Well said. Doug, um, I'm sure we could talk for hours about these topics. We've just hit the tip of the iceberg, but we've captured some really important points for consultants and coaches, particularly those that are first starting out after a long corporate career. If someone wants to go deeper with anything that we've discussed today, um, access any resources you may have, learn more about you or get in touch with you, where would be the best place for them to go? My LinkedIn profile is Doug Brown one two three four, uh, or send an email to me at Doug at businesssuccessfactors.com. and um, or you can call me at six zero three five nine five zero three zero three. I do pick the phone up, uh, and if not, I have a couple of people who work here who also pick the phone up, and you know just let them know that they came from your show, David, and um, I'll be happy to take the call. 
Sounds great. Well, Doug, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Going Solo, share your insights. My guest today has been the CEO of Business Success Factors, Doug Brown. Thank you again, Doug, for joining us. Thanks for having me, David. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Client acquisition is challenging for many consultants. Learning what can work for your business development process is one of the areas we focus on in the Smashing the Plateau community, where you'll find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, answers to your burning questions, and the camaraderie of supportive, collaborative colleagues. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com slash community. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash community. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.